0: Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope. songs of praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
1: Should you? God adorns the fading flowers With such tender thoughtfulness Then why should we distrust Does He not care more for taken us we can trust he won't this time so stop your faithless questioning our needs are
2: Me, the joy of salvation, turn me not away, and I will teach thy ways, O Lord, and lead others to thee o Lord of my salvation. I will praise your name now, brothers and sisters. Now, what your talent might be, just look unto him and surrender your will. And a Daniel, Daniel or Paul, you could be, a Daniel, or Paul, you could be. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Stow to me the joy of salvation Turn me not away And I will teach thy ways, O Lord old world that can lead you astray But focus your eyes and follow His will And the false things won't lead you away The false things won't lead you away Have mercy upon me O Lord Wash away my sin Cleanse me with the blood of the Lamb Make me new again Create in me a clean heart, O God And renew a right spirit within me Restore to me the joy of salvation Turn me not away thy ways, O Lord, and lead others to Thee. O Lord of my salvation, I will praise Your name. O Lord of my salvation forever, I will praise Your name.
0: music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
3: Wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend! He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling. He made all darkness deep heaven came down and glory filled my soul when at the cross my Savior made me whole my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day heaven came down soul, born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love. The standing is mine and the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came took of the offer of grace he did proffer he saved me oh praise He My Savior made me whole of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I received heaven came down and glory filled my soul when at the cross my Savior made me whole My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul.
4: Call comes ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light, send the light, send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light, send the light. light. We will spread, we will spend everlasting life with the will, with the will, heart in hand, hand. living God. Send the light, the blasting dust is all alive. Let it shine, let shine. From, shore to shore. from shore to shore. Send the light, send the
5: light, and let trade it rage. And it
4: beams like the world, the world. Forevermore. forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light, send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light, send the light, send the light. We will spread heaven as light. light with the will, with the will in willing, heart and hand. Giving God, giving God the God. Send the, light, Send the light, the, the blessed God. Send forth go light. light, let it shine from short to short. Short, short. Send the light, Send the light and blessed it Send it, it, it beams like the world, the world forevermore. forevermore. Let us pray that grace may everywhere. Christ like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. We will spread. We will spread the everlasting everlasting light. light with the will With the wind and heart in hand. Giving God, giving God the glory evermore. We will fall, we will follow his command. Follow his command. Send the, Send the light, the, the blessed gospel. gospel light, let it, shine. let it shine, from shore to shore. shore, to shore. Send, the light. Send the light, and let, let it shine at peace, like the world, forevermore. forevermore. Let us not grow weary in, in the world. Gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. We will spread, we will spread the the everlasting, everlasting light. light with the will, with the will willing, heart and, willing, hand. and hand, giving God. Giving God.
0: your family and friends to also enjoy Songs of Praise.
6: streaks of brand new day The clouds are rimmed with rose The night is chased away The star we call our own treks its westward way And all the earth is filled All the earth is filled with song love The rain that blurs the glass The tears that stain the face Both serve to wash away every selfish trace And when the sun shines again We see the world of grace, each drop is now a stone, each glistening drop a diamond red. inside.
0: We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads.
7: Continuing the chapter... Go into the highways and hedges. By the great supper, Christ represents the blessings offered through the gospel. The provision is nothing less than Christ himself. He is the bread that comes down from heaven, and from him the streams of salvation flow. The Lord's messengers had proclaimed to the Jews the advent of the Saviour. They had pointed to Christ as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, John one twenty nine. In the feast he had provided, God offered to them the greatest gift that heaven can bestow, a gift that is beyond computation. The love of God had furnished the costly banquet and had provided inexhaustible resources. If any man eat of this bread, Christ said, he shall live forever, John 6, verse 51. But in order to accept the invitation to the gospel feast, they must make their worldly interests subordinate to the one purpose of receiving Christ and His righteousness. God gave all for man, and he asked him to place his service above every earthly and selfish consideration. He cannot accept a divided heart. The heart that is absorbed in earthly affections cannot be given up to God. The lesson is for all time. We are to follow the Lamb of God whithersoever he goeth. His guidance is to be chosen, his companionship valued above the companionship of earthly friends. Christ says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10, verse 37. Around the family board, when breaking their daily bread, many in Christ's day repeated the words, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Christ showed how difficult it was to find guests for the table provided at infinite cost. Those who listened to his words knew that they had slighted the invitation of mercy. To them, worldly possessions, riches, and pleasures were all absorbing. With one consent, they had made excuse. So it is now. The excuses urged for refusing the invitation to the feast cover the whole ground of excuses for refusing the gospel invitation. Men declare that they cannot imperil their worldly prospects by giving attention to the claims of the gospel. They count their temporal interests as of more value than the things of eternity. The very blessings they have received from God become a barrier to separate their souls from their Creator and Redeemer. They will not be interrupted in their worldly pursuits, and they say to the messenger of mercy, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee, Acts 24, verse 25. Others urge the difficulties that would arise in their social relations should they obey the call of God. They say they cannot afford to be out of harmony with their relatives and acquaintances. Thus they prove themselves to be the very actors described in the parable. The master of the feast regards their flimsy excuses as showing contempt for his invitation. The man who said... I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come, represents a large class. Many there are who follow their wives or their husbands to prevent them from heeding the call of God. The husband says, I cannot obey my convictions of duty while my wife is opposed to it. Her influence would make it exceedingly hard for me to do so. The wife hears the gracious call, come for all things are now ready, and she says, I pray thee, have me excused. My husband refuses the invitation of mercy. He says that his business stands in the way. I must go with my husband, and therefore I cannot come. The children's hearts are impressed. They desire to come. But they love their father and mother, and since these do not heed the gospel call, the children think that they cannot be expected to come. They too say, have me excused. All these refuse the Saviour's call because they fear division in the family circle. They suppose that in refusing to obey God, they are ensuring the peace and prosperity of the home. But this is a delusion. Those who sow selfishness will reap selfishness. In rejecting the love of Christ, they reject that which alone can impart purity and steadfastness to human love. They will not only lose heaven but will fail of the true enjoyment of that for which heaven was sacrificed. In the parable, the giver of the feast learned how his invitation had been treated, and, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. The host turned from those who despised his bounty, and invited a class who were not full, who were not in possession of houses and lands, invited those who were poor and hungry and who would appreciate the bounties provided. The publicans and the harlots, Christ said, go into the kingdom of God before you. Matthew 21 verse 31. However wretched may be the specimens of humanity that men spurn and turn aside from, they are not too low, too wretched for the notice and love of God. Christ longs to have careworn, weary, oppressed human beings come to him. He longs to give them the light and joy and peace that to be found nowhere else. The veriest sinners are the objects of his deep, earnest pity and love. He sends his Holy Spirit to yearn over them with tenderness, seeking to draw them to himself. The servant who brought in the poor and the blind reported to his master, It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Here Christ pointed to the work of the gospel outside the pale of Judaism, in the highways and byways of the world. In obedience to this command, Paul and Barnabas declared to the Jews, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13, verses 46 to 48. The gospel message proclaimed by Christ's disciples was the announcement of his first advent to the world. It bore to men the good tidings of salvation through faith in him. It pointed forward to his second coming in glory to redeem his people. And it set before men the hope through faith and obedience of sharing the inheritance of the saints in light. This message is given to men today, and at this time there is coupled with it the announcement of Christ's second coming as at hand. The signs which He Himself gave of His coming have been fulfilled, and by the teaching of God's Word we may know that the Lord is at the door. John in the Revelation foretells the proclamation of the gospel message just before Christ's second coming he beholds an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. In the prophecy, this warning of the judgment, with its connected messages, is followed by the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven. The proclamation of the judgment is an announcement of Christ's second coming as at hand. And this proclamation is called the everlasting gospel. Thus, the preaching of Christ's second coming, the announcement of its nearness, is shown to be an essential part of the gospel message. The Bible declares that in the last days, men will be absorbed in worldly pursuits in pleasure and money-getting. They will be blind to eternal realities. Christ says, As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. So it is today. Men are rushing on in the chase for gain and selfish indulgence, as if there were no God, no heaven, and no hereafter. In Noah's day, the warning of the flood was sent to startle men in their wickedness and call them to repentance. So the message of Christ's soon coming is designed to arouse men from their absorption in worldly things. It is intended to awaken them to a sense of eternal realities, that they may give heed to the invitation to the Lord's table. The gospel invitation is to be given to all the world, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Revelation 14, verse 6. The last message of warning and mercy is to lighten the whole earth with its glory. It is to reach all classes of men, rich and poor, high and low. Go out into the highways and the hedges, Christ says, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. The world is perishing for want of the gospel. There is a famine for the word of God. There are few who preach the word unmixed with human tradition. Though men have the Bible in their hands, they do not receive the blessing that God has placed in it for them. The Lord calls upon his servants to carry his message to the people. The word of everlasting life must be given to those who are perishing in their sins. In the command to go into the highways and hedges, Christ sets forth the work of all whom he calls to minister in his name. The whole world is the field for Christ's ministers. The whole human family is comprised in their congregation. The Lord desires that his word of grace shall be brought home to every soul. To a great degree, this must be accomplished by personal labor. This was Christ's method. His work was largely made up of personal interviews. He had a faithful regard for the one-soul audience. Through that one soul, the message was often extended to thousands. We are not to wait for souls to come to us. We must seek them out where they are. When the word has been preached in the pulpit, the work has but just begun. There are multitudes who will never be reached by the gospel unless it is carried to them. The invitation to the feast was first given to the Jewish people, the people who had been called to stand as teachers and leaders among men, the people in whose hands were the prophetic scrolls foretelling Christ's advent and to whom was committed the symbolic service foreshadowing his mission. Had priests and people heeded the call, they would have united with Christ's messengers in giving the gospel invitation to the world. The truth was sent to them that they might impart it. When they refused the call, it was sent to the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Publicans and sinners received the invitation. When the gospel call is sent to the Gentiles, there is the same plan of working. The message is first to be given in the highways to men who have an active part in the world's work, to the teachers and leaders of people.
0: Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. We hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led his people
5: after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. The movement had focused on Christ from the beginning. The early Advent believers asked the question, when is Jesus coming? However, after the great disappointment of 1844, they then moved on to ask the question, what is he doing? By the early 1880s though, the church had lost sight of Christ and had failed to make him the center of its doctrines. A spirit of debating had settled in and they were winning people over to the church more through debating and a theoretical ascent of knowledge rather than by emphasizing heart change. The 1888 general conference session is the most famous GC session in our history, but unfortunately it's remembered for negative reasons with the questions often being framed, what if? It was held here in Minneapolis, Minnesota from October the 17th to November the 4th. And it was the 27th session held. It was held in the newly constructed Adventist church that was located on the northwest corner of the intersection behind me. At the time, world membership was 27,000, and there were 90 delegates present, small by today's standards. Mission work in the South Pacific, city evangelism, amongst other ordinary matters were discussed, but no one remembers these. Ellen White later commented, I have been instructed by God that the terrible experience at the Minneapolis Conference is one of the saddest chapters in the history of the believers of present truth. Prior to the GC session, the theological tension had been building, with articles being published by both sides, something that Ellen White spoke very strongly against. Also at the various camp meetings, different presentations were given and a spirit of opposition, debate and bitterness was aroused. However, this would come to a head here in Minneapolis. The principal characters at this GC session were A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner, both in their 30s, and Uriah Smith and G.I. Butler, both in their 50s. As the two younger men presented their messages of righteousness by faith, they were met with opposition. They were presenting on the importance of the centrality of the cross and of Christ's righteousness and the importance of seeing the law in its correct context. However one of the arguments that they used to show this was that the law in Galatians 3 was the ceremonial law and not the moral law. This was met with stiff opposition as some thought that the teaching of the Sabbath was under threat and would lead to misinterpretation and misunderstanding from other denominations. They were invited to debate. And although this practice was common at the time, they refused to. They hadn't come to do that. A rebuttal presentation was made, but the only response at the next session was to read Bible passages in turn on the love of God. No explanation given, just the Bible read. The impact was profound. Many were impacted by the messages with S.N. Haskell and J.L. Corliss being two of them. The following year, revivals would take place all over the United States of America, with Ellen White, Jones and Wagner leading out, one of which took place in South Lancaster, Massachusetts. Commenting later on, Ellen White said, I have never seen a revival go forward with such thoroughness and yet remain so free of undue excitement. A few years later, Uriah Smith would apologize to Ellen White for how he had responded and would also make a public apology in the Dime Tabernacle in Battle Creek. Not an easy thing to do. One of the sad outcomes of 1888 is that the principal presenters of Jones and Waggoner would eventually end up apostatizing and leaving the church. The reasons for this are many and cannot be adequately explained in a few minutes. Some of the responsibility rests with them for not letting the message completely change their own hearts. Yet some blame must be apportioned to the brethren who so strongly and bitterly oppose them. This opposition would become a difficult and overmastering temptation to the young messengers. And whilst this does not excuse their departure, it does give us some understanding. A key lesson that we didn't learn in 1888 and that we still struggle with today is how to be a Christian whilst in conflict with someone else. How do you show Christ-like love when the person that you're discussing or debating with has a vastly different viewpoint to you and or may be treating you wrongly? May we learn to be graceful with those we disagree with in the conflicts that we have today. The church would move on over time and realize the issue that was debated wasn't of the magnitude that people thought it was at the time. So often we major in minors. Ellen White would say many times that the law in Galatians wasn't a major issue and that the church shouldn't make it so. Today it's easy to get sidetracked on other issues and miss the bigger picture. Jones and Wagner were some great preachers, some of the brightest minds that our church has seen, and yet ultimately, they lost sight of Jesus. Today, we need to be careful that we don't follow men, but that we follow God's word and the message that is contained there. It wasn't the message that was at fault, but it was the attitude and spirit of those involved on both sides. The message that they gave will need to be given again and God will raise up other people who will overcome where they failed. May we be part of sharing the beautiful message of the love of God and the righteousness of Christ to the world. To view more episodes in this
0: series, visit lineagejourney.com.